The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'll say that even though I should just say welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. We always say it. We always mean it. And it is always true. The code on how many people I have on the panel is how many welcomes I say so correctly. Welcome, welcome. Let's see what the buzz is today. Well, there's a lady named Annette Simmons who goes by at The Story Factor on Twitter. She's a consultant, a keynote, and author of four books, including The Story Factor, named one of the best 100 best business books of all time. She also wrote Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins and uh, Territorial Games. We'll leave that one alone. And here's the quote we have selected for today's introduction. Quote, stories give people enough space to think for themselves. Now, just let that sink in for a minute, enough space to think for themselves. You wouldn't really interpret stories that way, but she makes absolute sense. A story gets you thinking. Okay, so what are we talking about? Well, your favorite book, your favorite movie, your favorite song. Why are they memorable? Because someone, the director of the movie, the author of the book, the lyricist of the song told an engaging story. How? They used drama. They used emotion. They connect with you at some level. They told a story and got you thinking, just like Annette Simmons said in her quote. Storytelling is also important, not just for in leisure, but for everyone in sales. Your prospects, your customers, they need something from you. They need to feel, they need to believe, they need to remember you before they'll talk to you, before they'll give you any information, before they'll make a purchase. That's what sales is all about. Eventually, today we're connecting with people on so many levels on social media, and it's important to tell a story, connect with them on an emotional level. If you don't make it easy for them, guess what? You could become, and I'm going to quote somebody who told this to me. I don't know who it is. You could become the next book they forgot that they read, meaning... Not the opposite. Not forgettable, unforgettable, forgettable, totally forgettable. That's the last thing you want if you're in sales. We have invited two speakers back from our show on Tell Me a Great Story, the Role of Storytelling in Sales from February 1st, 2017. Two of our panelists are joining me again today. Let me tell you who they are, and then we'll get started with their quotes. First up, we are thrilled to welcome back a very busy lady who makes her storytelling part of what she does for a living. It's Heidi Berenson. She's a two-time Emmy and Peabody Award winner. She's the president of the Washington, D.C.-based company, Berenson Communications. And joining her on the panel and the lady who set this up, and I'm so grateful, is Janice Fratimico, Marketing Leader, East Market Unit for SAP, and also a storyteller in her own right. So 
Let's see what quote Heidi Berenson has sent us this time. Okay, kids, this is a long one. Settle in. This is from David Brinkley, a memoir. You all remember David Brinkley, member from Huntley and Brinkley, and he was an icon of the American airwaves. He wrote his autobiography, and he was a newscaster for NBC and ABC in a career lasting, wow, 1943 to 1997, the Huntley-Brinkley Report with Chet Brinkley. That's right. He was the Brinkley. So here is the quote. Sit back. This is a long one, and Heidi will tell us how she chose it and why for today's show. Quote, and always, the news broadcaster's nightmare is to have the camera aimed at him, the red tally light on, meaning on the air, an audience of some millions waiting in 50 states, and he does not have anything to say. So, and this is David Brinkley in his memoir, so I began assembling a notebook. It is no secret in television that the best ad-libs are always thought out and put into notes ahead of time. Two or three words will remind you of whatever the point is, but to have exactly the right brief and pungent remark ready at exactly the right moment takes planning in advance. Heidi Berenson, love the quote. I hope I did justice to it. Welcome back. How are you, Heidi? John, I couldn't be better, and you did, you, actually, you have that whole radio voice going on, and that's what <laughs> we look for in television, because when you tell the story, the voice is a huge part of it, but that comes to exactly what I teach, which is planned spontaneity, appearing spontaneous, but you've planned it, you've practiced it out loud, and not only did David Brinkley hew to that, but Peter Jennings did, and he was the number one anchor in the country. So what we used to hear around the hallways of ABC News was, well, you know, if Lincoln could do the Gettysburg Address in under three minutes, and you can tell the story in that same amount of time. <laughs> so you want to be sure yes. that, you can, that you've planned everything so that you can be spontaneous. It's kind of like, I like this, you know, everything I learned about life I learned in kindergarten. Well, everything I learned about presentations and pitches and sales I learned from television, which is do your homework about the client, the issue, the potential Q&A. Uh, do what I call the A-list. You know, make your top three points no matter what. If you run out of time, what are the three key points you need to say? And then have stories, examples, anecdotes at the ready because if you can sort of draw word pictures for people and they can see it and you can illustrate your points, it's going to stick with them longer. So the, the bottom line, connect with your audience and that's, the best way to do it. That's it. And, and Heidi, a couple things come to mind as you're speaking. Um, number one, Robin Williams, bless him, recently yeah. gone. Recently gone, and we wonder, still wonder why. Um, he, at least I do, brilliant, brilliant comedian and, and star of so many movies and television shows. I was actually a fan of his last one. I think it was called The Crazy One, something like that, about an ad agency. But everybody thought, wow, Robin Williams, he's on stage. He's coming out into the audience. He's ad-libbing. He wasn't ad-libbing. He knew all this stuff in advance. <laughs> he made it sound fresh. And I sense, Heidi, that that's what David Brinkley was trying to say. He planned it. He had the notes. He knew what two or three words to remind him. But it was fresh because he, he cooked it up, if you will, in that spontaneous kitchen as he was on air. Am I right? He made it sound real and, and just for that audience, correct? Absolutely. And, and, and the context of that quote really comes from when they had to prepare for election night and for mm. the, the political conventions because he said you're on the air for several days in a row and you run out of things to say. And this was how you avoided that. So it's the same thing 
again, in life, it's a, it's a perfect parallel to when you're planning because you don't know what you're going to be hit with. And in fact, the White House, before each press conference, they pretty much can predict five of the six questions that'll be asked. There's always going to be some rogue question, but if you come in there with all of your key points ready to go, then you can turn around those questions to use them as vehicles to get out your key points. Very interesting. And that takes a special breed, doesn't it, Heidi? It takes a person who is comfortable in their own skin. They're totally. comfortable in the venue, in the media. I'm going to tell a quick story, and Janice is waiting patiently to talk about her wonderful Nora Ephron quote. She's a big fan of Nora, and this is her second quote from Nora. But just allow me here. I started in um, terrestrial radio in 1998. I was invited to host a show on WGBB Radio, the oldest AM station on Long Island. And I went to the studio, and they had just moved from Babylon to Maryland which means nothing if you don't live on Long Island or New York and don't know the, the locations. Turns out that I was the first show after they relocated. Well, nothing was set up. The engineer was on his hands and knees with three people with uh, hammers and screwdrivers and, and toolkits trying to plug everything. They had no carts. A cart is where you insert the roll-ins into a, a recording device, into a, a machine, and it would be, you know, welcome to WGBB and, this, and the advertisements. Nothing was set up. Somebody said to me just watch through the window and the engineer said you're on live well if I tell you Heidi, it was a rainstorm. I was going on the on the uh, Meadowbrook Parkway in three inches of rain. A friend drove me down there. We were soaking wet by the time we got to the studio. And here I am in an almost empty studio and a table with one microphone and an engineer trying to put jury rig everything together. Well, I knew enough. I knew enough to be prepared. God knows how. And I had a briefcase. We carried briefcases in those days. I had a briefcase with pages and pages of horoscopes and weather reports and jokes and I came prepared with enough to fill in the blanks. Was I on the right wavelength fabulous. there, Heidi? That's, no, that sounds fabulous. Absolutely. And and I'll, before we get to Janice, I'll just make a note that already you and I have helped to make our points through relaying sto- the stories of our lives. That's I'm, I'm in a storytelling mode. Thank we're, you. We're, Such, we're practicing what we're preaching right now. We're pra- that's right. We're walking the walk and talking the talk. Totally. Heidi, stand by. I'm going to introduce Janet now. Janice Fratamico, SAP. Uh, Janice came to me. Somehow we met early this year, 2017, and she brought us a topic of the, uh, let's see what the original topic was. It was, tell me a great story, the role of storytelling in sales. And I contacted Janice and I said, it was such a great show. We really need to do it again. So we're calling this one, the role of storytelling in sales, part deux. I think Heidi came up with part deux. We're <laughs> waxing a little French here. So Janice loves to tell stories as well. And here is a quote she has selected from her favorite, Nora Ephron, 1941 to 2012. Nora Ephron was best known for her romantic comedies. She was nominated three times for the Academy Award for Best Writing. Talk about storytelling. She wrote Silkwood. She wrote When Harry Met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle. Are there any three more iconic romantic comedies in the history of movies? I ask you that. She sometimes wrote with her sister Delia Efron, and her last last film was Julia, uh, Julia and Julia. I remember that one. And uh, Efron received a posthumous Tony Award nomination for Best Play for her play Lucky Guy. So here's the quote. Okay, quote, my mother wanted us to understand that the tragedies of your life one day have the potential to be comic stories the next. R.I.P. Nora Ephron. Janice, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great. And I have to say the part de was mine. 
Oh, I stole it from I stole it from another iconic movie star, Charlie Sheen, <laughs> who had Seriously? Hot Shots and then Hot Shots Part Deux. So that's where I stole that from. <laughs> I love it. Credit where credit is due. I'll say Janice Fratimico, merci bien, c'est vrai. Uh, plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. Uh, bienvenue. That's all the French I'm going to foist on you today. So well, tell me about your... It was highbrow as it sounded. I just have to make sure. It came from the Hot Shots movie. Beautiful Janice, series. tell me about your, your thing for Nora Ephron. Why does she resonate with you? What is your favorite Ephron movie? And how did you pick this quote? Because I love the quote. Go ahead, Janice. Yeah, well, I, you know, when you were talking about um, how do you become the, the, I think I sent you that, how do you, how do you not become the latest book that you forgot? Mm-hmm. I said that because that happens to me all the time where people say, oh, I read this great, I read this book, did you read it? And I can't remember if I read it because it wasn't that memorable. And when I think about Nora Ephron books and movies, they're always so memorable. The lines stick in my head. I remember them. I can quote them. I don't have that great a memory, but those stick with me, and they leave me with an emotion and a feeling and an opportunity to see myself in her stories, even though the way she writes is very authentic to who she is. So she's got that capacity to tell an authentic story that's reflective of who she is, what her personality is, but at the same time enable me, a very different person, to see myself in those stories and to relate to them. And that's where we need to get with salespeople. And, you know, as as Heidi was talking about, I'm a student of Heidi Berenson and quote her often. And the whole idea of planned spontaneity is one of my favorite things. And when Nora Ephron talks about, you know, something funny happening and making it your own, the advice from her mother, it was... Because the best stories and the best way to engage somebody is when it's, it's through your eyes, where, when it's authentic to who you are, when it doesn't feel contrived, but where mm-hmm. they can still see themselves in that story. So when something funny happens or something silly or you do something stupid, we've all done it. When you share that story, when it's truly yours, but somebody else can put themselves in that position, that's where you engage and form that kind of relationship that sellers need to form in order to advance their opportunity. Thank you, Janice. And, and I'm thinking, when you tell a story, it's probably something that has happened over the years in sales, but now it's becoming, it's in the spotlight. We're talking about it, being very specific about it. But the people who really related the best over the years, way back before the Internet, the people who even went door to door, didn't they have to tell stories to get to be trusted? You have to be trustworthy for somebody well, to I talk to you. I think you still do. You do. That's you right. But do. you just have to. You have to do it in a in a different. You have to be able to do it in a different format and through a different channel. But I don't think, I don't think the, the essentialness of that has changed at all. I think just the medium has. Yeah, I I think so. What I was trying to say was that this is this is a, a phenomenon that wasn't just invented when we started talking about storytelling. This is something that I I think Heidi knows. Uh, we can learn from people who were doing it right the old-fashioned way mm-hmm. rather than knocking on the door and saying, Hi, Bob, I'm Mary, and I have three things to sell you today. Sit down and prepare to be bored, prepare to be sold, and I'm going to put you under pressure to make a decision. So get your checkbook out, whether you like it or not. I'm going to twist your arm and make you buy from me. OMG, Heidi, <laughs> the, the early storytellers, they knew that that was not the way to get the foot in the door, didn't they, Heidi? What's your experience with that? Yeah, excuse me, I was going to say, because when we say that the medium has changed, so first of all, in television, we were always told to have the pictures tell the story. 
don't talk over the story, just let the pictures go. So that's a big piece of it. The other thing is we're coming up on the summer, which is sitting around the campfire. And, we, you know, if you talk about that, tell me a story, it's so primal that people want a story. And, and research and studies have shown that people remember best what is visual, like what they can see versus what they can hear. And if you if you create a word picture for them or tell them a story, it, then they can they can get it. But the bottom line of everything that we're all saying is about emotion. It's connecting. Yes. It's having people feel something on an emotional level because they say people buy or buy in based about how they based on how they feel rather than on what they see or hear. So if you can feel it, if you can relate to it, oh yeah, that happened to me. Like Janice, when you mentioned norepinephrine, it's a whole thing. I mean, wasn't one of her books something about I hate my neck or I don't like my neck or something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a visual imagery, that's emotional, you know, how people feel about it. But the thing that they said about television, it's like sit around the cool fire of television. So it's everybody wants a story. It's just what is the vehicle for it? And everything that you do needs to connect with people. And the more you go to common denominators, what we all have in common, the better. So if, if you go to another movie, you know, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. So... You know, if you say, well, if you just flew somewhere, people will think, well, they had a story. I mean, this whole thing, anything with flying, anything with travel, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Or what was the traffic like or whatever, because it's what we all have in common. And if you tell a story about it, it's like you had me at hello, you had me at traffic. You know, so you, have, you have me at emotion. Yes, and, and uh, I used to do stand-up comedy, Heidi. I think you know this, and I think I told Janice as well. And when I was taking my quote-unquote training, which was three weeks with Steve Rosenfeld at the American Comedy Institute of New York, before I was foisted on the stage at Caroline's, OMG, talk about an experience. Wow. Uh, we were told that vulnerability is part of that storytelling process. So if you come up on stage and there's something a little odd about you, you're a little too short, a little too tall, you have a funny wart on your chin, cheek or your uh, your socks don't match you say yeah I know look at that can you believe that's what I got stuck with or can you believe I left the house with a purple and a green sock and when you invite people into that story of a little bit of vulnerability you huh. become human they trust you they like you do you find that works I'm gonna ask you first I'm gonna ask Janice and then Heidi and then we'll get to your where are you and what are you drinking today because that's the part of the show we call the what's in your cup today but Janice do you do you relate to that that People enjoy a story where there's a little bit of vulnerability where you can see the person as a human being rather than this person who has a prepared speech. Janice? 100%. I love that. <laughs> and I think um, it's interesting that you say that you were trained to do that. I, that's my natural default. And now I'm realizing, <laughs> like, oh, that's kind, of, that's kind of a good thing. But I do that. On a regular basis, not just in the, not just when I'm, when I'm up in front of a big crowd, but even on one-on-one -on -one kind of interactions that I have as a manager or as a coworker or peer with other people that showing that kind of vulnerability makes you more approachable, makes you more likable. And I think, you know, Heidi and I have coached people together when, back when I was at IBM. And every time we saw somebody get up there, even if they were nervous when they were rehearsing some sort of a presentation or pitch to a client, they clicked when they showed that vulnerability because it, it, for me, it all goes back to authenticity because it mm -hmm. was truly who they were. They were at their most vulnerable. They were able to connect on an emotional level with an audience. And that's where we immediately liked them. 
And likability is huge. And I think there's something associated with vulnerability and likability. And it Very, makes you just connect on yep. an emotional level with your audience that, that I think sets the stage for the future conversation. Well, and Thank Brene you. Brown does Heidi. the power mm-hmm. of vulnerability. I mean, she's, she wrote a book about it, and it takes a really powerful and courageous person to be vulnerable. And when you are vulnerable, vulnerable, then that's another way to connect with people. Oh, I want to work with this person because things happen in life. It's not the thing about what happens. It's how you react to it. So what happens if something happens? I want to be in the foxhole with this person. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of foxhole, let's find out where you are. And I'm sorry, that was a terrible segue. <laughs> where you are and what you're drinking today. Heidi Berenson, are you in D.C. or are you traveling somewhere fa- uh, somewhere else fabulous? And what are you drinking right now if it makes you happy? If not, what would you rather be drinking? Heidi Berenson, tell me a story. All right. Well, I'm just actually back recently from the Grand Canyon, which, you know, was just, I can't believe I went there to do work, which was amazing. But I am in our nation's capital, which every time I talk to someone, they said, wow, there's a lot going on there. So yes, indeed, there is. So I like to, with everything going on, have a nice cup of mint tea, which I have right now, which is called mint melange, which is peppermint and spearmint and all kinds of mints. And I'm really a tea aficionado. I've got teas on the shelf from chamomile to gunpowder green. And it really is the go-to to be in my cup. So what I find, particularly with mint, is it reduces stress. It's anti-inflammatory. It enhances your breath. And particularly in the summer, it's incredibly refreshing. And I've, I've added manuka honey, which is from... Mm. New Zealand, but you can get it in New Jersey. You know, you can get it at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. And <laughs> it's, it's wonderful because it, it boosts your immune system and it coats your throat. So I thought, oh, we're going to be on radio. Let me coat my throat. So I've got that and a little bit of lemon, and I'm good to go. Always prepared. And by the way, if you're looking for mint melange, we just keep introducing French. Pourquoi pas, mais bien sûr. <laughs> mint melange is Mighty Leaf Tea. Mightyleaf.com. Go look for it. It's organic. Yeah. Uh, they have a nine-unit presentation box. I don't know why I'm reading this. Get it on Amazon. You can get it at Mighty Leaf Teas, T-E-A-S.co.uk. You can even find something about it at Etsy. I'm not sure why, but go check it out. And it's at the so Tea Guys as just, well. I can... I can end that by saying, voila, go ahead. Voila, voila, very good. And I can say Eureka, which is not French at all. Thank you, Heidi. And Janice, you're up next. Janice, where are you today, and what are you drinking that makes you smile, or what would you rather be drinking? Well, um, the foxhole I'm in right now is uh, in, in <laughs> Newtown Square, the exciting Newtown Square headquarters for SAP in North America, which is um, thankfully really one of my favorite places to be, because I love Love it here. Um, what I'm drinking is my, my latest tea. I'm a tea aficionado, too. I know we talked about this the last time. I'm not a coffee drinker. But uh, I'm all about the London fog lately. It's like my new I, – I really like the chai tea latte, but it was super fattening. So I switched to the London fog, which is uh, either English breakfast or Earl Grey tea with some milk and steamed skim uh, and, and some water and a little shot of vanilla. So – it's my, my latest tea obsession. 
<laughs> Sounds wonderful. Tea obsession, nothing wrong with that. Very healthy, and I appreciate that. And I am only allowed, you know this, ladies, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show day. So all I'm having is my Cool Clear mug with Cool Clear water from a Brita filter. And I have a pink <laughs> straw because it's sort of kind of straighted out sunny here in New York. And now it's sort of kind of gray again. It's been that way. I just heard on uh, one of the news stations yesterday that we're running about 20 degrees under the normal temperature for this time of the year. So we don't know whether to go out without an umbrella and rust. That's I lived in Eugene, Oregon for years. We talked about rusting and yes, yeah, I won't even tell you what those epithets were uh, about rusting, but we don't know whether we're going to rust, whether the flowers are going to grow three inches every hour with the rain or whether we're going to get beautiful tennis weather, sunshine and cool in the 60s. But it's sort of kind of summer here and, and I'm glad to be here. So we are having a very interesting time. We're telling stories today. Yes, we are. Why? Because I'm speaking with Heidi Berenson and Janice Fredamico. What else would I do interacting with these two wonderful ladies is to tell stories and why part two is because we're talking about the role of storytelling in sales. If you're just tuning in, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. If you're keeping track, this is episode number 283. I have to keep track. Started this series back in October 2011, and here we are with 29 series and more coming up later this year, and Coffee Break with Game Changers is still going strong. So we're going to take a quick break for 90 seconds. Go think of a story you want to tell somebody in sales. Are you selling a product? Are you selling a service? Are you selling them joining you in some kind of a project? Whatever it is, think of how you can help people relate to you. You need to be likable. They need to trust you. They need to understand you're a real authentic person, not reading a speech. And I sure as am, heck am not. So on that note, I'm just going to say, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You don't want to miss the rest of the show. Lots of great pointers from Heidi and Janice and a few thrown in from me for good measure. So I'm going to speak to my engineer now, Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're back. We're live. And we are here with Heidi Berenson and Janice Fratamico. And our topic today is the role of storytelling in sales part deux. That's two if you're not into French. And we're really talking about storytelling in life. If you're good at it in life, you're going to be able to incorporate it into your sales, whatever you want to call it, your sales persona. So Heidi Berenson is going to start the roundtable. I'm looking at her copious note she sent me before the show. And here's where we are going to start. Heidi says, everybody faces Q&A. The secret to success is listen behind the words. Heidi, I'm going to stop there and let you tell us what this all means, please. Okay, so if you, just to speak visually, if you can actually visualize an iceberg and what you hear, the words are above the waterline, and that's what you're seeing. That's the tip of the iceberg. But you want to know what's going on below the surface of the water. What is really going on? What is the, what is the feeling that's there? What, what do you think is the meaning behind it? And oftentimes, when people ask questions, it either is rooted in confusion or fear or maybe a cultural or corporate culture kind of uh, background where they truly don't understand. So oftentimes, it's not so much addressing the words, it's addressing what's going on below it. So one of the things that, that always resonated with me was when Oprah finished her, I think it was 25 years on the show, she said, I've talked to nearly 30,000 people on this show, and all 30,000 had one thing in common. They all wanted validation. Do you hear me? Do I matter? And that's what you want to do in a Q&A situation is make them feel heard. That's the bottom line. <clears throat> Very interesting. And we often, I, I was taught years ago, Heidi, if somebody asks a question to which you do not know the answer, you start out by saying, thank you for this great question. I will get back to you. Is that part of letting them feel heard? Sure. And particularly if you don't know something. The other thing is, you know how there are times when you listen to a question on a call-in show or whether mm-hmm. TV or radio, or if you're in a situation in Q&A and people are saying something to you, like they have an agenda, the way they're phrasing it, and you kind of want to say, hey, is there a question there? But if there's no question and they're really just spouting off, you simply can say, thanks for the feedback, because feedback Mm -hmm. is neither negative nor positive. It's neutral. So you're thanking them for the feedback, and then you can move on. Then you can move on. Janice Fratamico, moving on. What do you think, Janice, agree or disagree with Heidi? Oh, you know... 
that stuck with me so much when you talked about Oprah saying that. I wasn't a big Oprah watcher only because I was always working, but I remember watching her last show where she just dedicated it to talking to her audience. And that was what she left everybody with, is that everybody in this world just wants to feel heard. And that was a story that stuck with me. That was a show that stuck with me. It's something that I've tried to keep in my mind, not just as a... In in my business profession, when I'm talking to people and and trying to promote something that I'm doing, but also even as a human being, I think about that with my youngest daughter, who can sometimes be a force to reckon with. And I always have to remember, she just wants to be heard. And it's it's such true advice, and I think it's just so universal to keep that in the back of your head all the time. And, and I love that you just brought it up because... They said it was the it was the one quote that has always stuck in my mind, and I've always tried to remember it. Sometimes I'm not that good at it, but well, um, but that's why we're all we're I've all works in progress, it. and that's why just having the awareness. So, but Bonnie, the thing with you know just dovetailing off of what Jenna said, I mean, mm-hmm. the concept is it truly is that people want to be heard. So even if you sort of act like a United Nations translator and say, "Well, I just heard you say such and such," is that correct? Hmm. And that's a great tool to use because you don't have to, you don't want to repeat the negative necessarily, but you, it's almost like you're translating it. Well, I heard mm-hmm. such and such, yeah, I just want to clarify, I heard such and such. Is that correct? So that's and paraphrasing. Then, yes, or no, you know, so that, that makes them feel heard also. That's paraphrasing, and that shows you're paying attention because in order to paraphrase, you have to have listened and gone a little bit deeper. Am I right, Heidi? Exactly, because there are people who are good listeners, but you want to be sure that they got the meaning, they got what was going on under the surface of the water, because, again, there's something that is said for people tend to filter things from their own experience, and they could be, it's kind of, in, in public relations, they say perception versus reality, so the perception could be one thing, and the reality is something completely different, so that's where you just want to be sure that you and everybody clarifies so everybody's you know very clear yep thank you Heidi I know I'm sorry uh, Janice I know you had something to say please go ahead yeah it just it made me remember a conversation I had with my husband who is an IT executive and who's a buyer of products like what SAP sells and I often use him as my one-man focus group mm-hmm. and one of the most frustrating things he talked about was when, when a salesperson calls him and he talks to them and he tells them, here are my challenges, here's what I need, here's what our business strategy is, and then the follow-up is, here's what they're trying to sell him, and it's not reflective of what he said. And it's going mm-hmm. back to that, that you know, central kind of theme about he didn't feel heard, and as a result, he wasn't calling that salesperson back. And, and when they nail it and when they hear him and when they respond with exactly what you know, his needs were, he will return the call. They'll have a meeting. There's a lot of business to be gained, but he's, his biggest frustration is in not feeling heard. Yep. And now, guess what? I'm going to segue. I think there's a good place to segue into one of Janice's topics that she sent me before the show. Very important. Let's talk about who is in the spotlight. When you're doing storytelling mm-hmm. as one of your methods in sales, here's what Janice says. It's never about you. It's always about them. The hero of the story has to be your customer. Janice, we're talking about the art of storytelling in sales. I have a feeling there's something artful in here you want to share with us. So why don't you tell <laughs> people, how, how do you do this? How do you make it? You're telling a story. How do you make it about them? As you say, put the cape, the hero's cape on your customer. How do you do that? 
Well, I mean, you can do it. There, there are so many different things to look at to sort of gut check this, this kind of golden rule. And one is when I look at oftentimes in sales, we, we support our stories probably a little too much, but we tend to support them with some sort of PowerPoint presentation. It's a, it's a big tool that sellers use. And I've often just looked at the slides. And what I see is our company's logo in the center of it. I remember the last company I worked for, every slide had that company logo in the middle of it and the stuff that the customer was dealing with around the edges. And I was like, already, just from a visual standpoint, we knew we were positioning ourselves as the hero of this story, not the customer. So visually, you look at your supporting materials and see, what's the logo that I see here? Who's got the cape on in just what I've, what I've prepared to present? And then the other, the other you know, way you've got to gut check this is you, tell this, you, you test this story. I, you know, rehearsal is everything. And I've always wanted to test it on people who don't know anything about what I'm talking about. So let me test it on my mom. Let me test it on my kids. Let me test it on a coworker who's not familiar with this so that I can get their read on who the hero of this story is. Because, I, you know, they always say we get drunk on our own Kool-Aid, right? And, and mm-hmm. the natural, we're always predisposed to say, you've got a problem, SAP can solve it, IBM can solve it, you know, Bloomberg can solve it, all the past wonderful companies that I've worked for. And that's not the answer. That's not what they hear. That's not what they want to hear. What they want to hear is, you're going to enable me so that I'm going to get promoted, so that I'm going to be the hero of the story, so that I'm going to be able to impact positive change in my company. And if the story that you're telling doesn't enable that customer to ultimately be the hero, if your intentions aren't truly to get that customer promoted, then you've got to go back to the drawing board. And I think it's also an essential reason of why we have to build the story before we build the slides, before we build the presentation material or repurpose something from another, from another customer interaction. So, you know, I think you've got to go through various steps just to gut check that. But ultimately, you've got to think, is what I'm talking about, is the story I'm telling going to put the customer as the hero and enable them to get a big promotion out of it? Well, that's certainly something that anybody would love to hear. Heidi, why don't you chime in on this? You agree? And do you have any other techniques you want sure. to share on how to accomplish God, there's this? So, there's so much that I want to just just dive off of from there. First of all, when you talk about building everything, that really does go back to doing your homework. And you should walk in there knowing where these people went to school. You should know what their hometowns are. You should know where they've worked before. I mean, there's no excuse in these in this day and age to not go onto LinkedIn or to Google people. And mm-hmm. there was a situation where I worked with a major law firm, an international law firm, and one of the lawyers uh, called me and told me that when he did his homework, that when they do what's called the beauty pageant, when you know law firms or different companies go in to bid on work and to pitch, that it turns out that one of them had gone to the same college as the person they were pitching, and then they got to chatting, whatever. Anyway, they ended up getting the business. So what Jenna says is absolutely right. When you know, so you talk about building, you start building from homework, you know, from the really from that's stage one, and then you move up from there. And I love that idea of not having you know your own logo in the middle, but having making it about them. And the other piece is to really know how you're coming across, Janice. I would even add one more layer that it yes, absolutely get feedback from your colleagues or a trusted pal or something. But the other thing is I would use one of our devices to video yourself. 
and listen mm. to how you're coming across and practice mm-hmm. it and then say, wow, I really was making it about me. I wasn't making it about them or I was yeah. making it about our company and not them. So that's another, that's another good tool in the toolbox. But I absolutely underscore that if, you know, back to when, when uh, Oprah said about, you know, the, to, to dovetail off of that, you know, that people want to be seen and heard and that Maya Angelou said, <clears throat> excuse me, she said, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but mm-hmm. people will never forget how you made them feel. Made them feel, yes, absolutely. Great thought. I, I have an interesting uh, a small case study to share with both of you ladies that I learned years ago in how in, in advertising. I think we called it guerrilla advertising or guerrilla sales. Uh, and guerrilla marketing, gave, right? Guerrilla marketing, right. Yeah. And, and the idea was you open a magazine and you see a picture of a toaster. It's a beautiful toaster. And the caption says, we have been in the toaster business for three generations. Our grandfather started it and our uncle is the second one and, and pop has taken over, dad's taken over the business and we have 24 models and we sold in three department stores in every major city and you can find us and blah, blah, blah. And they give a phone number. And then the other version, the gorilla version, has a picture of a toaster with a woman looking a little bit harried in her kitchen in the morning. And it says, huh, getting the family's breakfast before you have to go to work is such a hassle. Wouldn't ah. a great toaster help you? And then it says something like, you want your kids to have that whole wheat bread, and your husband has to have his toast with his coffee, and you're going to work, and the school bus is arriving, and you don't want to leave crumbs on the counter. Here's That's the brilliant. toaster for your, yes, and here's the toaster for your lifestyle. And it comes in five <laughs> beautiful colors. And then they give the phone number. Complete difference. So it has made the woman, if she's the buyer, she's the hero, right, Jen? If she has the cape, she's going to make her family yeah, exactly fed it. and feel loved. You know, and her kitchen's going to be crumb free and the toaster's not going to catch on fire because she forgot to take the crumbs out. Go ahead, Janice. That was my lesson years ago. No, it reminds me of a, 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 a pitch I put together when I was training some salespeople to, to be able to, to tell stories. And we showed them advertising was such a great way to show how effective that can be. And really focusing on outcomes, right? So you want to know every story has an ending and you know how you feel. You know, the emotion that Heidi talks about that you connect with happens throughout the story, but is really associated with the ending of it. So you want to make sure that the outcomes for whoever your audience is, in our case, the customer, are clear. And we did a, um, we did a, a, a slide that showed a Weight Watchers ad and it was one that we made up and it was just like Weight Watchers, you know, we've been in the business for this many years, we have this many customers, it was all about Weight Watchers, right? And then Mm -hmm. the second one just had a picture that looked like you were going into a Weight Watchers meeting and then coming out and going in you had this giant wide door and coming out it was this skinny little door. (laughs) And it was it was it, it was a great ad, so effective you just, you saw very clearly the difference and the impact it would have on you personally versus the first example, which was, look at us. We have, you know, millions of members and millions of years of experience and all this other stuff. But it was just like, walk in that wide door and walk out the skinny door. And it was was fantastic and it was funny. There's a very visual cartoon. I'm not going to use any names of people in particular, but a, uh, a father and son come to the big city to a hotel, and the wife goes up to the room. They're from a, uh, let's say, a, a part of the civilization here in the States that still uses, still drives horses and buggies and 
does not mm-hmm. uh, does not embellish their person with makeup and fancy clothes and jewelry. They're very very plain folk, I'll say. And the wife goes into the elevator and goes up to the room. The father and son are standing there, marveling at this thing called an elevator. They've never seen one before. Well, the elevator goes up and then it comes back down, and the door opens and out comes this fabulous looking woman model quality and she is tall and lanky and she's got red hair and she's got beautiful makeup and she's in a bathing suit with this gorgeous sparkly cover-up and the son looks at the father and he says oh my what a thing this elevator is look what happened to mom (laughs) that's great that's the before and after. So, Janice, I was thinking about that, the big door and the skinny door. So, uh, Heidi, I want to make sure we cover a little bit more here. W- when we talk about stories, it seems to come naturally for the three of us, and we're very enthusiastic, but not everybody has that skill, shall I say, talent, or that capacity. So, Heidi says in her advice here, and I'm going to quote you, Heidi Berenson, and then you can embellish it. You say, when in search of a story, an analogy, or an example, turn to our common denominators, the news, sports, the weather, entertainment, travel. Heidi, how could somebody use these everyday elements that everybody talks about, for better or for worse, to create a story of commonality that will engage a customer or a prospect? Go ahead, Heidi. Well, first of all, just if you look at the news, you look at the headlines. So last night I was watching the news, and I saw that Sears and Kmart are both downsizing again. They're cutting their stores in half. And this is something where if you were going to make a point about bricks and mortar, retail versus online retail that there you go right there that's that's something you can use immediately the three of us have already dipped into this common denominator pool if you will because you talked about driving in that weather that horrible storm and Mm -hmm. you had janice talking about entertainment which was Nora efron and then you picked up with the movies and everything and i talked about travel which with airplanes so it's all around us if you just look. So if you look at what the movies are that are out right now, you got Wonder Woman, you got Baywatch, so you've got mm-hmm. a lot of places to go. And if you wanted to, you know, look at sports, you have the NBA Finals right now. I mean, that whole LeBron James, that's been in the news on a lot of levels. We're in hurricane season. So these are just what I call low-hanging fruit that you can just pick up what we, again, what we're seeing and hearing on the news, which obviously we're in this 24-7 culture. So the interesting thing to me is because, and I think, I think Michael alluded to this when we had done the original interviewing, mm-hmm. which was how people really process things not only through stories, but metaphors and analogy. And the brain mm-hmm. can actually retain things better when, it, when it's like that. So these give you ample, ample opportunities and examples to be able to have these common denominators and turn it into an analogy. So if you said, oh, wow, you know, things that our company have been mirroring the stock market, you know, it's been up and down, but we've been on this great trajectory, this upward trajectory of late. So there you go, right there. That's something out of pop culture. And Heidi, let me ask a question before we get Janice in on this. We talked before about you can know people in advance through social media, check them on LinkedIn, find them on Facebook. What do they like? Where do they go? What are their preferences? What teams right. do they like? So be, while you're searching for the story, would you want to say, hey, by the way, Bob, I know you're really a, a Meteors fan, but I want to talk about the XYZ team. Did you hear about such and such? So would it be good to preface it with something that relates to their preferences? Absolutely, because there have been situations where I've had to really, like if I talk to a group that is, 
you know, sort of about nature and outdoors and stuff, I can't really talk about the Oscars because this is not a group that that resonates for. But if I talk about camping, like I said earlier, we talk about travel, you talk about how people spend their leisure time, you know, out in nature and how beneficial that is, then they relate to that way better. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Janice, love to get your thoughts on this. I think what what you guys are getting to is um, part of the reason why we have some people have such a hard time telling stories, and it's because it's not easy. It's because you've got to do some work. And it's way easier in, you know, in my world, it's way easier for a salesperson to say, just give me the deck that we use to talk about XYZ product and let me change the logos and then use it for my customer. Because we're busy and it's, and it's super hard to customize and it's super hard to kind of plan that spontaneity and do that homework. And it's, what, it's what's holding us back. I think once you get in a rhythm of it, and once you get comfortable with it, and once you see the success that you can enjoy from it, you become more dedicated to the art of storytelling, but it's hard. It means, you know, that one of my favorite, favorite people on earth and one of the best salespeople I know, and he's since passed away, but I worked with him for years at IBM, and he used to drive his, his um, like, chief of staff crazy because on his way to meet every customer, and he was an early bird, John would be driving and call up Jen and say, check the high school scores from XYZ High School the night before this customer that I'm going to, his son plays on the football team, I want to know if they won or lost. And you know, this was before he had his, uh, you know, he could do it at a red light on his iPhone, although John probably would have called somebody to do it anyway. But he, had a, he did his homework and it was genuine, it was focused on what the customer cared about. And that's what he would lead with, not whatever he was trying to sell, but he, he did his homework and he had somebody else doing it for him and it wasn't, wasn't easy, but he made it a point to find what that personal thing was that, that his customer cared about. So he had that human emotional connection right away. And then, you know, off to the races, you never have to sell anything in your life. If you've got a trusted relationship with somebody, you never have to ask for a sale. You're always doing everything in their best interest, from asking them about what's happening on their son's football team to helping them solve challenging business business problems. You absolutely never have to ask for the sale if you have that trusted relationship. And being able to tell a story is the key to doing that, but you it's hard to do, and it's what holds people back. But, you know, I think uh, you guys have only just reinforced the idea that you've got to do your homework, but the success will come as a result. And let me, can I just jump in, Bonnie? Cause yeah, this, Heidi, but Heidi, I want to pick up yeah. one more topic from your list because we're just oh, about out of time. So, so this is just Go quick. ahead, please. Yes. If you're going to tell a story or whatever you're going to do, so if it's, when you said, Janice, that people don't know what to use, if you go to the gym every day and work out, if you speak from passion and energy, they say passion persuades and energy sells, just do something that resonates from you that you're already doing in your regular life. If it's gardening, if it's going to the gym, whatever, use that. That will sell it. Okay, just wanted to add that little note. Thank you. No, I'm glad you did. And passion and authenticity go together, and and that's what people are looking for. You don't want to overwhelm them too enthusiastic, but but, but measure it so that they're interested, but you're not either boring them with your, you know what I mean, overdoing it. And you're not boring yourself. Right. Well, that's true. How many times can you tell the same stories and be excited about them? I don't know. Comics do it all the time. Heidi, I want to get this point across. Very important. You say an audience remembers best what they hear first and what they hear last. You called us the rule of primacy 
first and recency last. And so according to research, that's what. So, so give us a quick, quick uh, one minute expansion well, so of when this you're gonna, So when you're going to do a pitch or a presentation, the, the real research has said that you only have about nine seconds to make your point. So this comes into what is the heading of called the rule of primacy and recency. Quite simply, people remember best what they hear first and what they hear last. So people can tell when you're winding up. You can either say, and in conclusion, or when your voice starts to go into that mode, then mm-hmm. that's when they pay attention. So you want to, what I call front load what you want to say, your key points, and then end, like what do you want from them at the end? Do you want to tell them something? Do you want their business? Do you want their vote? Do you want their support? What do you want from them at the end? What do you want to leave them with? So that's when you really want to figure out your headline and your bottom line and what your key points are so you can grab them at those two places. And oftentimes if you phrase something as a question, you know, like what's the bottom line or what's our goal here, and then answer it, that's another great way to flag their attention. So rule of primacy and recency they remember best what they hear first, what they hear last, and that's when you want to pack your great and most important messages. And Heidi, you remember the old phrase, leave them laughing. Maybe in this case, it's exactly. leave them smiling, leave them, leave them more. I like to say leave, leave them, them loving you. instead of heading for the door. That's right. Leave yep. them loving you. Leave them wanting more. My dad used to, my, my late dad used to rue that when he and mom, my, my mom just passed it a hundred years about two months wow. ago. And, and dad told the story that when they'd have friends over for dinner, mom would make a beautiful dinner, a meal, and a beautiful home. And dad loved storytelling. He loved jokes. He loved sharing any, he, he was an aver, avaricious reader of novels and he loved to collect jokes and stories. And he called me up the next day and he said, Bonnie, I don't know what happened at our dinner party. So what happened, dad? He said, nobody wanted to go home and I said what do you mean he said it was 11 o'clock mama and I were tired we had cooked dinner we had set the table we were having a good time and he said it's 11 it's 11 30 and he said he wanted to go in the room come out in his bathroom and say gee it was nice having you all here he said people wouldn't go home at one o'clock in the morning they were still having conversations and sharing stories I said dad that meant it was a great party because you were just sharing so on that note uh, let's have time for 60 seconds each and i mean 60 seconds heidi berenson it's time for predictions what will happen to the role of storytelling in sales let's say around the year 2020 i can hear barbara walters baba Y saying 2020 what do you think will change if anything if we met again i hope we'll meet many times before that heidi what will well, be different my- about storytelling go ahead well, you remember the, the TV pioneer Marshall McLuhan said that the medium is the message. So mm-hmm. the medium may change, but not the message. So whether it's Instagram and you're doing it more through pictures or what we talked about, the coal fire of television or through a tweet, it, it, there will always be stories. It'll just be how we tell them, what the technology is. But the bottom line is people, again, it's how you make them feel, making it about them, making them the hero. And it, it really is about, you know, always being stories. And if there are always people, there will always be stories. There you go. I love it. We're talking human beings here. And Janice Fratomico, love to get your 60-second prediction. That's all I've got. It's very similar. I think it's the same thing. Humans will still be humans in 2020. I think we'll need constant reminders of that as technology changes. But we all still feel, want, cry, laugh. And and that's going to be one thing that's consistent that will just have to be continuously reiterated. 
Thank you very much, ladies. This has been almost too much fun. I'm just going to say it's been too much fun. Speaking with Heidi Berenson and Janice Fratomiko. Janice, get on my calendar, please, the two of you, or invite a third person uh, October. We'd love to do another one because this is important. This is part of what we all do. And even if you're not in a sales mode, we're always trying to convince somebody of something. So we are just finishing our conversation here about the role of storytelling in sales. Pardon, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And Here's my call to action. No, I won't make it into a big, long story. We're watching the clock here. Thank you to Heidi. Thank you to Janice. Thank you to Kevin, our engineer at the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Instead of saying go out and be a game changer today, I'm going to say go out and learn how to be a great storyteller today, just like Heidi, just like Janice. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.